Today's episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. What if comparing car insurance rates was as easy as putting on your favorite podcast? With Progressive, it is. Just visit the Progressive website to quote with all the coverages you want. You'll see Progressive's direct rate, then their tool will provide options from other companies so you can compare. All you need to do is choose the rate and coverage you like. Quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Comparison rates not available in all states or situations. Prices vary based on how you buy. Beyond the Dark is a sci-fi horror anthology that opens a window into dystopian worlds. You can hear advanced episodes of this series right now over at patreon.com slash beyond the dark season three survivors of ev9 part one Before the outbreak, it's something that doesn't seem real to me anymore. The memories in my head feel more like dreams, fevered delusions that exist only to push back the horror of what the world has truly become. Sometimes, when I close my eyes, I can almost imagine I'm there. Fishing trips with my dad, days at the park with friends, but it never lasts. I open my eyes. The warehouse is dark and quiet. Moonlight filters through a window high up, slanting down and illuminating debris that's been strewn across the floor. There are dark patches all over the concrete, and the smell of something rotten lingers in the air. I grip the flashlight and follow the trail of dried blood, making as little noise as possible. A little further on, I find the first body, or what's left of it. Most of the meat has been stripped off, and in the days since the attack, it's putrefied. As I approach, the smell gets much worse. Nearby, stairs lead up to an overseer's office, elevated well above the work floor. The windows are smashed, and the door has been snapped off its hinges. There's more blood on the steps. Dried splatters and streaks like a mosaic of carnage. This is where they ran to. This was the last stand. I mount the steps slowly, one by one, wary of what might be waiting at the top. By now, the infected should have cleared out, but I can't know for sure. I make it to the doorway. As my flashlight cuts through thick, swirling dust, the true nightmare of the scene hits me. Blood on the walls and floor, half-eaten bodies everywhere. The stench is awful, but there's no infected. 
Amongst the shelves, I find what I'm looking for. Canned food, some batteries. There's surprisingly little, considering how many people have been sheltering here. I stow it all, and then get the hell out of there. While I move back down the steps, I try not to think about the kind of person I've been reduced to. A vulture, subsisting on the scraps left behind by people less fortunate than me. I know things can't last. Resources are running out. As I exit the warehouse and head out into the night, I wonder how much longer I can keep. I stop and realize too late that I'm not alone. A man and a woman are standing in the middle of the darkened street. In the silence, I can hear them breathing hard, like they've just been running. And they look as surprised as me. Even though they don't appear threatening, I'm cautious. Are you... Can you help us? To do what? We have friends back there. We got separated when we came across the infected. The man is balding, overweight, and the woman is favoring her right leg. She also has a blood-stained bandana on her arm. They don't look like the kind of people who last long on the streets. If there are infected that way, I suggest you keep running. Our friends have a handgun with a few rounds in it, that's all. A gun? They aren't planning on using it, are they? Guns are loud. Infected magnets. Listen, just help us. We'll find some way to pay you. I've heard that kind of offer before, and don't place much weight in it. Still, there's something about these two that seems out of the ordinary. They're not like the other scavengers I've run into around the city. Look, I... Oh no, oh no! Damn it. I glance in the other direction and see shambling figures emerge along the street in the moonlight. Come on, this way. But our friends... They're dead already. Run or you'll die with them. lead them down a nearby alley, doing my best to keep quiet. The two newcomers are slow, and I'm forced to ease up. Wait, there's infected passing ahead. Should we go? There's one last straggler. It's got our scent. Let's move. The straggler is weak, barely able to run, so I step out and swing my backpack at it, knocking it out of the way. Don't stop. place we can lay low, not far from here. I know you probably haven't eaten much. You're weak, and I am too. We have to keep going. Can you do that? 
I'll take that as a yes. I lead them up their eyes to the house, and quickly give the inside a once-over to make sure there are no infected that might have taken up residence. Everything looks exactly as I left it. I signal for the two of them to come forward. You can rest there on the couch. That's it. Easy now. Is there any chance our friends... Uh, best not to think about them. Oh, God. I move back over to the window to check the street, making sure we didn't pick up any followers. <laughs> Keep it down, huh? Well, I'm sorry, but my friends are most likely dead out there. <laughs> and it's a miracle you aren't as well, stumbling around like idiots. If it weren't for me... We could have saved them. Not a chance. Is that so? Yeah. And now what? What do you want from us? Well, how about some gratitude? Better yet, you can make good on that payment you promised me. Oh, is that just a lie? Now, now, I think we've gotten off on the wrong foot here. My name is Michael Dunbar, and this is Anjali. And you are? Kane. Kane. Good. Well, Kane, we're on a journey of sorts. To where? Here. Look on the map. This is it. Huh. East. Out near the ocean. Why? What's out there? We picked up a radio signal from some colleagues of mine who have formed a settlement there. At a place called Whitecliff. <laughs> a settlement, huh? How do you know it's not a trap? There's a lot of hungry people out there. Infected aren't the only ones who need meat. No, this isn't a trap. Whatever you say. The sun begins to rise not long after, and Anjali disappears into the bedroom to get some sleep. Dunbar takes a laptop out of his bag and connects it up to a battery pack. What are you doing? Going through my research. What kind of research? I worked at Felgate. Well, before the collapse, that is. The Felgate Institute? I've heard of that place. Isn't that where all the big-shot scientists worked? That's right. And you got a job there? Yes. Huh. Does this research have anything to do with those monsters out there? Don't call them that. These are not monsters. They're humans. Sick humans who need our help. Survivors of the virus EV9, just like us. <laughs> They're mindless freaks who eat other people. That's not a normal sickness. The disease causes its victims to lose higher-order brain function. The infected can't reason or discern right from wrong, but the lower-order functions, hunger, the will to survive, are still there. Hmm. Things would be a lot easier if they just ate each other. Oh, they do, but only when they become desperate. They prefer anything that's uninfected, 
human or animal. I believe it's to do with smell. Olfactory glands become more sensitive, a side effect of the virus. But I definitely need more research on that. I haven't seen an animal out there in months. Hence why the infected have turned to human meat. So, if we stay out of their way and wait long enough, they'll eventually eat each other into extinction. Well, let's do the math. Around 90% of the population were killed by EV-9. Then there's us, the ones who were fortunate enough to be immune. We're less than 1%. That leaves around 10% who are, uh, well... Uh, Monsters. Infected. So, in this city alone, there's almost 200,000 of them roaming the streets out there. If they continue to consume each other, and assuming there's no alternate source of food, that's still going to take, well, years before the last one is gone. Well, that's comforting. I keep watch while the hours pass. The infected are more active during the day, so I tell Dunbar to lay low while we wait. No, stop. Uh, No, please. I turn from the window and move quickly into the bedroom. Anjali tosses and turns in the grip of a nightmare. Hey, hey, stop. Wake up. I'm sorry. Unexpectedly, she leans into me. And not knowing quite what else to do, I hold her as the trembling begins to subside. When are they ever going to end? Huh? The nightmares. Every time I close my eyes, I... She makes no attempt to move away. It's been a long while since I've felt the warmth of another human being next to me. I'm not sure quite how to react. My, uh, my dad always used to tell me to think of somewhere nice when I had nightmares. Somewhere nice? Yeah, um, well, why don't you tell me about this settlement your friend mentioned? What do you think it looks like? Uh, You're probably right about it. It's too good to be real. (sighs) But if it's not, what do you imagine? I picture the beach. Seagulls and sunshine. Fishermen hauling baskets in from the ocean to feed the survivors. Plenty to go around. Sure. That's just the kind of place my dad would love. Your dad sounds great. Yeah, he was. I just wish I could have helped him the way he helped me. Hmm? Tell me about him. I... I still remember the last time I saw him. He was lying on a dirty sheet, laid out on concrete, packed into a gymnasium alongside hundreds of others like him, the sick and the dying. His eyes were bloodshot, and he couldn't focus on anything. He just lay there, delirious. And then, as I was about to leave, there was one moment of clarity when he finally recognized me beside him. He looked so happy, despite it all, to know that I was still okay. He spent his last breaths telling me that there was a reason I was spared. That I'd been chosen for something great. Still trying to comfort me, to reassure me, even at the end. 
Sometimes I'm glad he didn't live long enough to see what I've become. A vulture, like the rest, picking at the bones of what's left behind. Anjali says nothing, and when I look down, I see that she's fallen back into a deep, peaceful sleep. Back in the living room, Dunbar has disappeared. His laptop is on and, curious, I walk over and take a look. There's a folder of images, and when I select the first one, I see Dunbar in a lab coat, standing with a group of other scientists beneath a sign that says, Fellgate Research Institute. <laughs> okay, so maybe he wasn't lying about that. I start to flick through more photos when there's a noise at the door to the kitchen. We found a cure, you know. Uh, look, I, I didn't mean to intrude. But I'm not sure it will make a difference now. Wh what are you talking about? That's where we've been all this time. Anjali, myself, and those people we left behind last night. My, my team. We've been at Felgate, barricaded inside while we continued to work, trialing counters for EV-9 that could cure the infected. After many unsuccessful attempts, we finally made a breakthrough. Sorry, you seem like a nice guy and all, but I'm finding this hard to swallow. Well, I think I can change your mind. He brings up a series of images that show infected walking around the street in daylight, obviously taken with a zoom lens from a distance. Three months ago, I managed to expose the cure to the infected subject you see in these images. The host was cured over the course of just 48 hours. A final image lingers on the screen. A bedraggled infected covered in blood and dirt. I lean in closer and... I recognize who it is. Anjali was... an infected? She asked me not to tell anyone we met along the way. She thought they would think less of her. And the way you talk about these monsters, who can blame her? <laughs> this can't be real. You can see proof right there on the screen. The cure works. But there will never be another dose made unless... Unless I can get to Whitecliffe and make use of their resources. So you're banking everything on this settlement idea. What if it's not real? What if it's destroyed by the time you get there? We couldn't stay at Failgate. We ran out of supplies, so where else could we go? My research is right here in the backpack. I have to get this to Whitecliffe. Anjali, too. She's the second part of the equation. With her blood samples, my old colleagues will be able to start producing more of the cure. <sighs> Why are you telling me this? Because I need your help. Anjali sustained a lot of injuries that went untreated while she was infected. Like that leg of hers? Yeah, she's finally getting stronger, but we need a guide. Someone who understands how to survive out here. We've spent too much time cooped up inside Felgate. Dunbar cocks his head, listening. He goes stiff and quiet. I hear it too. 
Very carefully, I edge over to the window and look outside. The sun is low over the city as I peer out into the street. In the afternoon light, I see something that gives me shivers. Even though it's only been half an hour since I last checked, there are now dozens of infected milling about, just beyond the sidewalk. They're close enough for me to see their twisted, warped faces. What is it? Look. My god. So many. Something's got them excited. It's almost a feeding frenzy. Like when they take down fresh meat. But there's no meat. They're fighting over something. It looks like a rag. Or a... Suddenly, I realize what it is. What was that? Where's your bandana? My... When I first saw you, there was a bandana on your arm. Where is it now? I... I guess it slipped off while we were running. What about it? You must have dropped it outside when you took your backpack off. And now the infected have got it. And they like it. What? It must be the scent. Look at them. Sniffing at it. Trying to bite it. Maybe it's something new they haven't smelled before. I tear my attention away from the main pack to see several of the infected sniffing the air, making their way up the path towards the house. Their mouths slick with drool. We're leaving. Right now. This way, the back door. Look out! There's more of them over there, coming this way. Keep going. Here, over the fence. Dunbar follows us, red-faced, and I reach out just in time to stop him falling. Uh, not me. Her. Get her out of here. Uh, carry her if you have to. We make it out to the street, where more infected have begun to arrive. Anjali is already slowing, her limp getting worse, and I grab her and lift her onto my shoulder. Uh. Dunbar, come on! My muscles are aching again. Anjali feels like lead pressing down on me. The infected move to cut off our escape. Kane, don't stop. Suddenly, I'm back in the gymnasium, surrounded by the sick and the dying, looking into my father's eyes. He watches me with unshakable faith, loving pride, like all those days and nights since, I'm filled with shame. But this time, there's something unexpected. Self-loathing begins to burn outward. It transforms into rage. Get out of my way! Where in the clear? 
Open road ahead! I look back at Dunbar. He struggles onward in the midst of the infected. They claw at his shirt, his hair, his backpack. No! Dunbar, no! Hop down! Now go! As fast as you can! Just keep running that way! Kane, what are you? Infected swarm over Dunbar, trying to pull him down. He glances up, and a look of understanding comes across his face when he sees me. He rips the backpack from his shoulder, pries it free of the infected's grasp, and hurls it in my direction. I scoop it up as he's pulled to the ground. Feeding frenzy begins, and infected zero in. I run, and I don't turn back. Anjali is still hobbling along the street when I reach her. As I close in, she turns toward me, and her face lights up, even though there are tears in her eyes. Kane, thank God. Are you okay? Dunbar? I couldn't save him. No. There were too many. I... So that's it. I've lost everyone. Not everyone. Look, I'm grateful that you helped me get out of there, but I don't expect you to take me any further. I mean, he told you about me, didn't he? Uh, I understand why you have the nightmares now. And now I guess you probably can't stop thinking about what I was. The disgusting things I must have done. She shrugs her backpack higher on her shoulder, and turns to leave. Anjali? Yeah? I can't pretend to understand what you must have gone through, what you're still going through. But I can tell you this much. You're the one thing in this world that gives me hope. You're the reason I, I can finally believe there might be a future after all. Yeah. I lift Dunbar's pack and check that the research is safe, then take out the map and get my bearings. I feel Anjali's hand in mine. Come on, we have a long way ahead of us. of EV9, created and produced by Mark R. Healy, starring Luke Wheeler, Madison Garris, Ray O'Hare, Trent Trachtenberg, 
Naya de Russo, Elisa Matea, Shago Miyakita, and Paul Watt. Additional voices by Hayden Healy, Elwood Lemura, Alan Chan, Eric Umstart, Tristan Whalen Hughes, C.W. Gant, Carolyn Cabal Canelio, Luke Hines, Janine Bauer, Dystree, Vincent Bozzi, Christopher Coles, Giovanni, Olavo Martinez, Devin Swafford, Anne Marie Tune, Alice Knight, Braden Wharton, Sarah Cannon, Lucas Bark Digman, Scott Zimmerman, and Zadek. Just a reminder that there are advanced episodes of this podcast available right now at patreon.com slash beyond the dark. Head over and check it out. Your support means that I can keep bringing you more episodes like the one you just heard. You can also find my other podcasts, novels, and music at markahealy.com. Thanks for tuning in. I'll see you in the next one. The Fable and Folly Network, where fiction producers flourish. Were you accused of a murder enacted by supernatural forces beyond your control? Yeah. Are you seeking a multi-figure gold settlement for damages to your business? Yes. Are you a young entrepreneur seeking justice for the murder of a family member that would be here if you were better at your job? Yeah. <laughs> Hello, I'm Thomas Phelps. I am the attorney, along with my assistants, of Phelps, Oz, Mogbile, and Felcher, and we want to help you get justice. Our expert legal services are available for a modest fee. But not too modest. I got a family to feed. As a bot, I don't eat, but I do have a hunger. A hunger for justice. And that hunger drives us to work for you, future client. From investigation to sentencing, we've got you covered for everything from public urination. Oh, yeah. To murder in varying degrees. Don't look at me. The attorneys of Phelps, Oz, Mogbile, and Felcher care about families. That's why they work quickly to help get this daddy off. I was blown away. My business was in trouble after an unfortunate case of property damage. But the attorneys of Phelps, Oz, Mogbile, and Felcher helped set things right with a hefty gold settlement. So come on down to the law offices of Phelps, Oz, Mogbile, and Felcher. Located in the old Biscayne Boys building. In Eastern Orgea. Just follow the podcast highway signs for Dungeons and Drimbus and take the season three exit. The attorneys of Phelps, Oz, Mogbio, and Felcher are not responsible nor liable for any of the following that may be incurred while working on your case. Sudden death, loss of limb, heartbreak, the use of magic to secure evidence, the wrath of an interdimensional being, urinary bladder infection, nausea, depression, the sudden desire to remove one's clothing, the illicit romance of a will-they-won't-they workplace scenario, or complete and utter disregard for the natural laws of space and time. Join your favorite fantasy attorneys for their next case. Dungeons and Drimbus publishes every Friday wherever podcasts are found.